I wanted to talk to Jordan about a couple things. Hold on. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let him start with he Jordan's inf- Jordan got infected. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible. It he, does. All right. So, all right, so okay. You've start. had a you've had a one, you've had a very busy day. So I'm I, exhausted. It would be awesome for you to talk about your day, but we're going to cut you off while you try to talk about your day. I, but in all seriousness, was today like a good um, breath of fresh air from what's been going on over the past week or so? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm tired right now. Today was great. I'm exhausted. Today was great. Um, I got some lump on my side, which was a, uh, a lymph node. So it's nice to know that my lymphatic system is working. But I got a tick bite a couple weeks ago, so I have Lyme's disease. Um, but I started an antibiotic, and they all seemed confident that that would do its job. Um, but I don't know, like, ticks do what they do, and, like, I kind of have, like, love for them. That's good. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, we're all just trying to get by, and that's what ticks do to get by. Maybe in some weird way your body saved like another tick's life. It's possible. You it's know? still like a motherfucker, but it is okay. But but I got all I got uh like all the uh like tested for every STD and I'm clean. So come on, come on. I mean, I've never had sex before, so there you go. With a woman. With a woman. Or a man. Or a man. So. Do you wish we had like one of those sound effects things? I kind of do wish we had like a... Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? Like like a, yeah, that would be great. <sighs> Sound bites. Hey, um, I'm going to do them. Before you knew it was limes, though, mm-hmm. what kind of thoughts were you going through? What kind of what kind of feelings were you Well, having? when you find a lump on your body, that's uh, not pleasant. And then I went to the doctor, and she was like, well, you know, you're, you're this age, and you live a relatively healthy lifestyle, so it's a very low chance that it could be cancer. But then it's like... So I, I remember waiting to get my blood drawn and then really, really having, like, thoughts of death and experiencing death anxiety and, like, oh, shit, like, that is real. And, like, then what happens? And then I realized why people cling to religion. Um, and then I just kind of shook that off and got my blood drawn. And I was really good about not letting my thoughts uh just assume things because I almost said down the rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> so if you guys couldn't see what Jordan just did, please explain what you just did there. <laughs> I don't know. That was the Cupid shuffle. Right. So I'm, I was really good at just allowing myself to go through the process of getting the blood drawn and peeing in the cup. And then I went and got an ultrasound on the thing. And as soon as we did that, uh, the woman's like, okay, it's a lymph node. That's a good thing. It's not a tumor. So, and if the previous hour or 24 hours, I was just thinking, what if it's a tumor? Like, then I would have just created all this stress and anxiety that wouldn't have been worth it. So I know I'm good at just seeing how things play out um, and then trusting the process. I mean, I go to a doctor as a professional for a reason. So I'll just take their advice still with a grain of salt because they're human beings too and medicine and people aren't perfect but like it is what it is like it sucked but i don't know i don't like the antibiotic though it's kind of weird like when i take it i feel uh like 
like not grounded in myself. So I'm trying to take it. I take it twice a day now. I'm trying to take it at times where I don't really need to be on. So I had a long day. The first thing I did was my weekly Saturday Beatwell group therapy. And uh, I get there, and all these people play bingo before. So And the last game they play is called Blackout. So I, I get there, and they're still going. And sometimes they go a few minutes late, and I ask the lady, are you guys on Blackout? And she's like, no, we're just regular bingo. I was like... I was like, what the fuck? Like, we're not going to have time to do my group. She's like, no, we got plenty of time. I was like, it's 11. She's like, Jordan, it's 10. It's like, oh, shit. So it ended up being good. I went to the Veterans Cemetery, and it was nice. And I had that hour break where I took the medicine and then knew I wouldn't kind of, I wouldn't have to be responsible for the next hour. Why were you off an hour, though? Did I don't you, know. Did you think it was 11? Like, I mean, like, did, you, did yeah. you, like, rush out of the house to get there by 11, and then you get there, and it's like, oh, it's an hour early? A bit, and it's great. I had, this is one of the busiest days I've had in a very long time. Slipping. I, right? heard, I, heard, I heard this <laughs> earlier, yeah. And I was also questioning, like, why did you go to the cemetery? Because it was the closest park where there's water and it's outdoors. I mean, it's beautiful there. He's being all emo lately because Yeah, because he, he thought like, he was going to die. Totally. <laughs> I had never dude, thought I, of that. Dude, I, uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, dude, I got this lymph node. I thought I was going to die. So, like, I might as well start to, like, get in touch with what it would be like to be here for a while. Yeah, I'm planning to have some sort of veteran's tombstone with a Christian cross on it like everyone else there. Gun salute? Did you dig a hole and, like, get in it? <laughs> no, but I was All these stepping, gestures look like Nakamura. Stepping in a bunch of goose shit. But it was actually kind of cool. Like, I, I saw all this goose shit. I was like well, maybe they're geese that live around here. And then as soon as I thought that, like 25 of them just swoop in right into the pond. It was pretty It all great. makes sense now. I think, did you take the goo gone from the house? I did, but it, what didn't, it didn't work. Bring the goo gone back. Okay, so you were late. I mean, early. I was early. It's great. Thought and I was, was really productive late. in that hour. It, I was happy that I was early. <clears throat> Good. I'm glad that I'm, I'm right, glad it so, was a good wake up. So then you go back. They finish Bingo Blackout, which if you don't know, that's where you got to get every single square yeah. filled out. That's Five tough. bucks for that one. And now Jordan said this to me earlier, and I would imagine that a lot of people, especially RH, have no idea what Blackout Bingo is. But I go every, every other Thursday, there's Bingo. That Carly and I will take her. Mum, her grandma to bingo, and we always play, and we buy extra things. We never win. I'm getting high. <laughs> <sighs> I just stopped myself from sneezing. You see that? <laughs> that no. good. No, I, didn't I, didn't I was that. looking at you. Right. Oh. Yeah. I wasn't looking <laughs> at you at all. Yeah, dude, you don't matter. You Matt miss and I, all kinds Matt of stuff. Matt and I, we look at each other very lovingly gay, and then you're over there by yourself. We spend a lot of time together with our shirts off. Yesterday, we were outside with our shirts off for a pretty long time. It was good. In a healthy way. Okay, before we get to that... Wait, so, so let's finish. So, yeah. so then you finish your Beatwell group, which then you went and you did another Beatwell group, and you talked a little bit. That looks like the Big Bang Theory. And you talked about... <laughs> right? And <laughs> I just destroyed everything that Jordan was drawing on his book. Have you ever watched because, the Big Bang Theory? Because now that he is... Um, Bazinga. <laughs> infected. <laughs> now that he's infected, but also knows what's going on, I don't really feel as bad for he him. He doesn't care at all. So, like, <laughs> I just, I want to have fun now. Are you going to pour that on my computer? No. Okay. All right. So then Jordan <laughs> leaves from Beatwell gig number one. 
He re- he returns. Uh, wait, wait, wait. He comes home. He loses his tank top. Still hasn't found it. Right? I'm wearing it right now. Oh, he found it. Okay. You Come thought on. you lost when you found it. He then grabbed a couple pairs of Matt Halpern signature sticks by Promark. Promark. I would have said something else for sure. And and then you headed to the next Beatwell gig where oh, what's her name? Gail? I don't know. Well, on the way there it was nice. Uh XM, Sirius XM, they're streaming a bunch of Bonnaroo sets. Mm. So I listened to Car seat headrest, who I don't really care for their recorded stuff, but live is very nice. Awesome. So okay, so you you had one Beatwell event and, and you had another Beatwell event. Yeah, that was a 90-minute one. It's the first time I ever did something like that. It so was g- at, give me like the time breakdowns for the day. The t- this morning, uh I woke up at like 7:45 and then I uh rushed out of the house and I made some eggs. Made a piece of rye toast. Um, what time was that? I don't know. I said 7.45 I woke up. I don't know. What time did you make the eggs? Um, I pooped. That was intense, I think, because of the antibiotic. Yeah, it probably is. Um, we also saw Paul Simon last night, so I just lost my shit literally from that, too. That was a great show. Mm-hmm. Sarah McLaughlin and <laughs> Paul <laughs> Simon. <laughs> Who says that? Wait. <laughs> it's not Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin? What? McLaughlin? Whatever. Sarah McLaughlin was Sarah <laughs> McLaughlin. I don't I, whatever. Wait, I wait, love wait. her. She's amazing. If you if you go on the Chocolate Croissant's Instagram, which is Chocolate Croissant's podcast, there is a video of Sarah. Not anymore, man. Those things last 24 hours. Oh, I was building a mystery. It was so good. Oh man. It well, was, Matt, I told Matt outside before we did the podcast. I was telling him. Yeah, he said that Sarah McLaughlin played. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin played, and she was so good. And Matt was like, oh, man, if you would have told me that Sarah McLaughlin was playing, <laughs> I would have came. Yo, Kevin the drummer, get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? But it sounds like you woke up today having a similar day to Kevin the drummer. Kevin the drummer told you. Did you see what he said? No. He almost set his house on fire today. Oh. Kevin, Kevin sounds about if, right. you're, if you're listening to this, get your shit together. For real. Do you feel I feel like you should take the microphone this way and tell him, get your shit together. <clears throat> you want to talk to this one? No, I got it. That's cool. He 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 can hear the sincerity in my voice. Yeah. Um no, he said that he he started making breakfast like eggs on the stove, and then he like went outside to load his drums in the car while the egg is cooking on the stovetop. Caught on fire? It's like, come on, man, an egg takes like Couple one minute. minute. Yeah. One minute? Maybe right? two. Okay. What gear? Two. He didn't even bring shit today. Anyway. Wait, let's... let's <laughs> Much love to Kevin the drummer. Let's, let's just acknowledge something, though. Kevin said to me that he normally brings everything to gigs when he plays, which is very professional. However, he said today he didn't, and he was being lazy. And look what it get to. Yeah, this was like the worst gig to do that. The, every, everything just provided to us from the sound company was just grade A piece of shit. He, he broke their kick pedal, and thank God I was there. Um, I wasn't even there when he went and grabbed mine. But thank God he was there, because you don't know how to adjust your, adjust your Wait, drums, I heard. hold on. I just looked down on my computer, and Kevin is watching this right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to Wait. me, he said, he said, fuck you, Wait, and a sad face. Ask him if Kevin, he, Kevin, that's if you're, not, Kevin, that's, 
Kevin, if you're home, we'll give you the address. You should come over right now. You should come over right now. Yeah, Kevin, come over. We'll open the door. Come in. Yeah, you should come over right Send now. Send him the address. All right, hold on. Okay. Come to the basement, Kevin. Yeah, come around the side. Stage left. <laughs> um. So I woke up at 7.45, guys. And um. he's like, really? Yeah. Come. Yes, we're going to give you the yeah, address. Yeah, come over. But uh, So you got to go, once you park, you got to come around, like, if you're looking at the house. Go, go to the left, left. Down the hill and around the corner, and there's a sliding door. We'll open the door for you. Text us when you get here. Don't don't knock on shit. The dogs will go crazy. Yeah. This is probably going to be the worst episode, guys. <laughs> I but think it'll be loose wait, and entertaining. Wait, to be fair, anyone who's watching this in the Facebook group, is anyone watching? Your mom says that she can't hear it. Cool. Seems like other people can, though. Yeah, so. mom, mom, turn your, mom, you got to push the volume button. You got to turn it up a little bit. Make sure it's not muted. People are going to think this is dog shit. So, so she, no, 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 she came no, 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 no. to the second Beatwell group today. <clears throat> tell, wait, me wait, about, wait. tell me about the second Beatwell Before group. Before that happens, if you really want to, quick breakdown of what you did this morning, how you fucked up, because I can just cut the audio of all the first stuff and just get into it. We can start right with Jordan saying, hi, guys. Hey, guys. Right. The people watching Bruce this have Pritchard. to suffer through Why do you this, want a though? breakdown of what I did this morning? Matt wanted it in the first place. I feel Why like I was late. Well, look, I was building to something, to be honest. What I was building well, wait, to let, is let that. No, 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 no. Hold building on. Building a hold mystery, on, on. Sarah yeah. McLaughlin. <laughs> Sarah McWaffle. All right. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. That was good. But, but, look, today's a Saturday. Yes. Most people are off fucking around at the beach. They're off on vacation. This was like Watching one of the Mark busiest Hunt days Lewis for you. Fight. Excuse me. I was talking. Mark Hunt, Derek what, Lewis what is this, like, tonight. One? At midnight, I'm trying to watch that. Is this episode one again? Let me throw my finger up. Now I can talk. But seriously, like, that's good hustle. And I think a lot of people would appreciate knowing that you really worked your ass off on a Saturday after working all week and going through a stressful week. A lot of people might try to, like, take a break. Oh, this was a hard week. I'm not going to play a show and do two Beatwell groups this Saturday. True, but... I enjoy it, and I make good money, and, like, I'm building something long-term for myself with it. But my point is the day doesn't matter. Oh, no, no, no. I work seven days a week. I just don't work, like, nine to five. Totally. And aren't you happy with that? I'm so happy with that. Yeah, because it feels more balanced, and I feel in control of it, and it feels like I'm productive. And I still feel like Saturday and Sunday feel like the weekend to me. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um... I, I'm I'm pretty busy on Saturdays. I always do the, the morning group and then usually teach after on Saturdays. Um, but yeah, it feels like the weekend. And like, I don't know, what else would I be doing? Like going to brunch and like drinking mimosas? I'll do that when I'm 50. I think, I think if you were working a nine to five, like a classic nine to five, and it was stressful and you hated your job, like a lot of people, I think you would be stressed out and the weekend would come and you'd be like, oh yes, Friday. Maybe I stay in Friday and relax. Saturday, I'm going to sleep in a little bit and try to, like, recharge since I haven't been sleeping. Then I'm going to try to catch up on things. I want to go out. You'd be hitting up your friends who are probably doing the same thing. And it would just be very whatever. It would be like Groundhog's Day. Every Saturday comes around. Sunday comes around. You're, like, dreading that Monday is, like, back to school. But I was thinking that same thing today. When I got up today and I forgot to plan one of my sessions this morning, and luckily... My client who I had today, which was awesome, Ryan hit me up. Ryan was like, 
yo, I'm all fired up at like 8.30 this morning. He was like, I'm fired up. What time are we doing it? And it was good because I had forgot to text him. We just, you know, miscommunicated on trying to figure out a plan. And we were like, let's do 10. And we got up. And it was good. We were able to, you know, because he's my friend, obviously, and I like that that part of it, that he came over and we talked for about an hour and then we trained for an hour. And even though he kept making these complaints, like, dude, I got so much stuff to do. We went upstairs and he just kept talking. So it was great. It was awesome. Um, and I was thinking about that because Carly, my fiance, she's at work currently and she has to work every third weekend. And tell the people what time it is right now. It's 10 o'clock. It? It's 11.02 p.m. It's 11.02, and she's working 7 to 7 in the morning. You're bo- both of your senses of time are off by an hour today. Yeah, well, I had no idea what time it was tonight. What's I just up know with you that? came over. I don't know what time it is. I just know that in, in about an hour. Wait a minute. Wait, let's talk about this. You, your sense of time was real fucked up yesterday. To be fair, and hold I hold on, hold I, on. You asked me what time, what does it say on that thing, and it was blatantly two p.m. It was so not show. Big Bang Theory. Show, I showed a couple people. Even the people at the courthouse, they apologized. They're like, whoever wrote this is a moron. This is so illegible that it does look like it easily could have said nine p.m. instead of two, or or nine a.m. instead of two p.m. Show Jordan the picture. Okay. We're going to show everybody the picture. We're going to post the picture. Please. Can I? Does it have any of your well, personal information in there? I don't think so. I don't really care. But I zoomed in on it so you could see it. Now, I'm looking at a slip. What does that say? Can you see how that looks like a 9 a.m. if you're looking well, at it? Well, don't tell me. Don't lead him. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It, to me, it looks like 2 p.m. Yeah, 2 p.m. But I zoomed in on that to show that, right? And can you see how the, the top of the two is in the words? Mm-hmm. Where how that could be deceiving because it looks like the the bottom of the two comes down in a nine instead of being a p. Can you see that? I can, but no one listening to this podcast in their car can. I feel really bad for them right, right. now. Right. Okay. So I could have sworn because I looked at it a couple of different times that I was supposed to go to court to fight a ticket at nine a.m. and I was very strong in my convictions of what I was going to say. I had evidence. I was ready to fight. And I sat through, luckily the judge was super funny. I sat through about an hour and a half of traffic court tickets with the judge being pretty awesome. And at the end, they said, raise your hand if you're still here and you've got a 9 a.m. court time. Raise my hand, two other people. They checked our stuff. I said, they said, well, yours actually says 2 p.m. We're really sorry that it's written so poorly. I said, well, can I just pay it and leave? And they're like, no, you got to drive 30 minutes into the city to go pay it. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I already drove 40 minutes to get here this morning, waking up early for this. They said, okay. I said, what, what are my other options? And they said, well, if you don't come back at 2 o'clock, you're marked, whatever you're marked, and then we're going to suspend your license or your, or your um, tags, and we're going to fine you, and you're going to have to go to the MVA to pay these fines to get your stuff restored. I'm like, well, this is just pathetic. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, thanks, Obama. So I, that was for Sam. So uh, I, so I fill out a, a thing just to postpone it, and I leave, and that was the end of it. I met you, we got haircuts, then I went home, I shaved, I fucked my sideburns up, and then Matt came over, we took our shirts off, and we trained. So my mom came to the second Beatwell group today, and it was at a place called the Movement Lab, a wellness and fitness studio. It was 90 minutes, and it was the first time I did something like that. So I kind of, I had some anxiety. One, because 
was one of the first times that I'm, it was offered to the public where people just pay on their own. And um, so I didn't know how many people were going to come or if anyone was going to come. And I didn't really, when I get hired to do it like a whole school or like a business, then there's something that at least ties them all together. So for this, I just wasn't sure the level of each person musically and even just with empowerment work, how deep they go. So I didn't really know what to expect, um, but it went well. And right before in my apartment, I kind of wrote down 10 things, like an outline of 10 things I could do that I knew would at least fill out 90 minutes. Because the last thing I wanted was I get to the 40 minute mark and I'm like, I'm out of shit. So I kind of wrote it down and then I left it in my bag and then just trusted myself. And it went really well. And I end it like literally two minutes before the end. And I, I actually wanted a bit more time for everyone to kind of process their experience at the end. But I was happy that I was able to provide 90 full minutes of valuable content. And people were really pumped about it. It felt good. I'll post a picture. I have a picture from it. Some good pictures. You went to? I was doing stuff here. And then I left. And I got there around, I think, I think it started at 2. And I got there around 3. And I walked around the building trying to figure out how to get in there. It took me like 20, 25 minutes to get in there because it was locked. The, the first door was locked and it was in like a, a second back door. Um, but when I finally got in there, then I just sat against the wall and the circle was in the middle of this big open, like a dance studio looking thing. But it had a really cool backdrop on the one wall and then you could see outside, which was great. And you could see Jordan's building out there, which was cool. And I took some, I took a couple good pictures and left him some space so he could put his text on it and do some different things with it. Post it in the group so everybody can yeah, see. Yeah, well, it was really interesting because I showed up and I was I was trying to like figure out this group was all women. And um, my mom and her, or our mom, Jordan and I, um, our mom and her best friend and another friend, they went together and Jordan told me they were great. And I could hear them talking and sharing at the end and feeling great, which is cool. It was nice. It was nice. Yeah, yeah it felt good doing it. And then it was nice because it was so nice out today that then Jordan and I were able to pack all of his stuff up, all the all the, the djembes and different drums and stuff. And then we quickly walked over to his place where he could grab his Benny Grab practice pad that he almost lost and um, and all of his stuff. And then we hopped in the car and only drove like, not for like what, 10 blocks or eight blocks or something? If that. Yeah, not even far, which pulled us up right to the outs, like the, the back portion of where his gig was. Couldn't so have been easier. You played Hunfest yeah. today, which is uh, say for it, those. Say it again. Hornfest. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if so you've no, ever seen. Hold on, I'm going to do, do my Baltimore accent for everybody real quick. Okay, go. So, Hornfest is a festival that goes down in Hamden. Mm -hmm. Hamden is part of Baltimore where a lot of people talk like this and it's kind of normal over there they call it ambulance they lay on the pavement you know so if you lay ever, on the pavement yeah I don't know about all that if <laughs> you've ever seen on, they fall down on a pavement and then they call the ambulance to go pick them up and take them to the hospital I think it's getting different but okay it's not it's, it's heavy. not it's, it's still very mixed in for sure. no 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 that was good if you've ever seen the movie Hairspray you'll know what to expect there's a lot of o's so, hey, how you doing? You going to the O's game? Jordan, gonna let go me hear you try. Going to go down <laughs> the ocean. Like 
hello, <laughs> I'm at Hunfest. That's not crabs. <laughs> Bows and O's. So okay, so but Hunfest is a cool festival that takes place in the middle of the street in kind a very cool, cool neighborhood festival. in Baltimore called Hamden, where there's a ton of great food and bars and stuff like that. It's very very cool, and you live pretty close to there, a mile away. Yeah. So how was it? Was there a lot of people? Was there a lot of food? Was the show good? Yeah, I'm it was a good amount of people, and and a, a good amount of people that uh, like friends, some I hadn't seen in a long time, that came to support. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool too. The 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 radio station WTMD they've been playing us in regular rotation for two three months now. And what up, Matt Galler? Yeah, Gal. Um, and Galler Shades. Galler Shades. That's my password for everything, guys. <laughs> and um, so I've I've met a handful of people both at this show and and the the show we did last week, who know of us because of the radio station and said so and. We would play that song, and then there's a little bit more of a reaction as as the song starts, which I've never had in a band where people find out about us through the radio. So that's kind of cool. That's very cool. And what's what's the feedback that Matt Galler is getting, or whoever is spinning you guys? Like, are people liking the music? Is it in is it in request as well as? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's still being played, so I'd assume. It's going over well. I know the program director, he likes it, and that's why it's being played. But Gal's the one who pitched it initially. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, I've seen, we talked about it before, I saw your band. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think you're definitely like the driving energy behind it, you know, which is what a drummer should be, you know? Thank you. Yeah, it's good. It's cool. Um, and I'm different from the other guys personality-wise in the band. So when I perform, I'm doing my best to really connect with everyone and draw them in, where uh, at least our singer Charlie, he's great. And um, he's he's very, I think it's easy to be drawn to him, but that's the difference. You need to come to him energetically, uh, where for me, I'm doing my best to, uh, to really, or, or metaphorically, grab people and bring them in. Kevin the drummer's here. What's up, Kevin? Hey, how's it going? I told you you should come here sometime soon. Yeah. Who thought it would be tonight? Who knew? <laughs> this is a first for Chocolate Croissants, having a, having a fourth person uh, sitting in with us. Kevin, you got to speak into the microphone, man. Like this? Yes. Should I touch it? Now you're a professional. Don't touch it, man. Okay. Yeah, it's probably gross. So, three inches. what happened today? With what? With that, what, well... Give me the scoop. So, you, so wait. Tell are we me, starting start, with the drums, or are we starting start, with? Start with the. Ha- helping Jordan adjust his drums. Okay, so. We'll wait, 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 wait. Start with the house almost burning down. Well, that was after. That was after. Okay, that was after. Yeah. Okay. So your symbol was like hitting the boom. I didn't know what to do. Because it was angled awkwardly, so I came and rescued you. Thank and you. Just lowered the stand and. You say it. just, but oh. like that was some like architecture level <laughs> shit right there. No, it wasn't. Hold on. I'm going to bra- I'm going to brag for a second now. I used to give Kevin shit about oh, setting yeah. up I had drums. No I idea. like I'd come over and he'd be like I want to raise my snare drum when he was really young and I would have to how raise do I it do for it? him. Yeah, I would raise it for him. And then one day I was like we're just going to have a lesson literally in how to set up drums and drum tech. And then now he's fixing your shit. To be fair, I think Jordan was never super into gear. Whereas, like, I would be on the hunt for the perfect tone, buying tons of gear, 
and and I even like I checked out what Kevin the drummer was rocking. He had some cool minor what's the B word? Byzantine or something? Uh, Beyonce. Beyonce symbols, the Byzantine Beyonce. Byzance. Beyonce uh, symbols. And I was like, yeah, it seems like he's drawing some inspiration from the people that he's probably heard play really cool symbols. But it, Jordan used a lot of the same stuff for a really long time. And then Man, my ride symbol is amazing. He then decided when we were making a record that he wanted something to sound a little differently. He got a darker crash. He got a bigger ride. But it's not like you ever went out and... Like, whereas a guitar player buys a million effects to try a, a bunch of different sounds, you might have bought a bunch of different snares or cymbals over the years. Jordan kind of just, like, did his thing. And so adjusting the cymbal may just not have been something that ever mattered. That's awesome, though. That means that you can just set up and go. Yeah, the, the only reason why I had an issue is because the drummer who played before me uh, didn't bring a cymbal stand for himself. So he had to use mine, and he took my boom and just made it straight. <sighs> This, Lessons learned. This is this is uh this is why I don't share any gear ever. I mean, maybe I'll let someone use a snare drum or something like that, but I don't do it because inevitably your shit gets fucked up. Unless it's someone who you absolutely trust. But we were talking about upstairs, this this um and we'll 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 address We'll address, we'll address Kevin the drummer in a second. But we were talking upstairs about like the stigma of local bands and why a lot of venues and why a lot of national touring acts or even international touring acts really don't give a lot of respect to local bands. Every now and then you get a local band that I think is on the ball. They know their shit and they do things right. They show up on time. They stay out of people's way. They like any opening band on any bill should be whether they're local or not. You just you're at the bottom of the totem pole. You get out of the way. But there's a lot of local bands that do some pretty ghost shit. And one of those things is, you know, local drummers not showing up to venues with their gear. Now, you're not necessarily in a local band because you guys are you're touring nationally. Mm -hmm. um, but that's even more, and this is what this was the point I was getting to. If if it's something that you consistently do, keep it consistent, no matter what the gig. That's mm -hmm. and that's the lesson, and, and that's the thing that that I think a lot of bands need to really keep in mind. Or, or when you go and you do a show, especially when you first start playing shows, how excited and like serious would you take a show? I'm going to bring all this gear. I'm going to get excited. The show's at 8 p.m. and it's. 12 noon and I'm thinking about the show and I'm getting ready and I'm packing my car and I'm it's like it was the best feeling in the world now granted we would always I I this is more 10 years ago I'd always want our band to get there early one because it was the right thing to do business wise two was the right thing to do respect wise and three I wanted to get the best merch table but you can never expect to use anyone else's gear but your own and you shouldn't because what ends up happening is house gear at venues if you ha even like okay, I used to have to go play in New York City all the time, and we would hear from the promoter at the club, "Oh, there's a um, there's a house kit that that you can use," and never once would I do it because every every single house kit I've ever seen is in shambles. Like the bass drum doesn't have legs, the hi hat symbol or hi hat stand doesn't work, the throne ha has like screws missing from it, and that's par for the course. I played a show in New York, um, a one off with a friend who was a singer-songwriter, and we took the bus, the drummer and I, the rhythm section, both of us, we took the bus up and we brought very minimal pieces. So I brought uh, like a backpack-style gig bag, 
and just brought a base with me and some cables and I think a tuner. And when I showed up, I think it was a 410 and with one of the speakers busted mm-hmm. that just like whizzed the whole time and distorted, which couldn't have been more annoying. Yeah. But when you when we played New York, I just remember New York being similar to, if you know Baltimore, the 8x10, where there is a house rig for the bass and they don't really like it when you bring your own stuff in. And most of the time when Jordan and I would go play New York, we'd be opening a show. You don't really want to step on people's toes. So when they tell you, hey, you're going to use this, you're just like, okay, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, some venues, but hopefully those venues have good gear. Good enough. You would hope so. And these were legit venues. So I never had any other problems. But one venue that we did play, that was, I couldn't fathom how they wouldn't have just replaced the speaker. Well, it's that simple. The, 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 the point is, you got to always take it seriously and bring your own shit where you can. And I mean, bring the breakables, right? Bring the main shit. Like if you know you can use a bass drum and you know you can use like a floor tom or something, or even just a bass drum, like at least bring your hi-hat stand, bring your seat, bring your snare stand, bring your snare drum, bring your sticks, bring your pedals. Like that's not that much. You can throw it in a duffel bag and you can carry it in and you're always going to be able to complete the gig no matter what. Speaking of breakables, Kevin the drummer over here, you broke their kick pedal. How'd that happen? It sucked. It was probably like a thirty dollar dollar pet thirty dollar pedal. I don't okay. know. It was, I don't even remember what the brand was. It was some off brand. So I stayed because you were using my throne, which I'm sitting on right now. I knew I needed it this evening. It's a good throne. It's a very good throne. It's I saw like you the, bouncing uh, on it, yeah, right? Yeah, it was like it was like the Josh Dunn throne. The only I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Twenty one pilots. Oh, drummer. wonderful band. So the uh, <laughs> the only thing that sucks about this throne is that the legs don't collapse; they just stay yeah. out like that. If you're watching, so it just takes up so much space. Mm-hmm. Where, however, I pack it, um, but it's kind of nice. Um, so. So you were using my throne. That's why I was there. And, of course, to support you and Stacked Like Pancakes. Oh, thank you. And um, so you and you guys were the last band. So I guess you found my kick pedal behind you. I wasn't even there at the time. So what would you have done? Um, so there is a guy who was in the audience because Kellen was like, okay, does anyone have a bass drum pedal? Oh, I didn't even hear that. Um so there's a guy, I guess maybe he was in another band, and he came and he was going to go get his. And I felt bad, too, because by the time he got his and brought it back, I, I was just in panic mode. So I, I just, I'm just like, oh, there's Jordan's pedal. I'm just going to use it. I'm sure he won't. Hopefully he won't be pissed. Of course not. <laughs> Do you know what? So I, I actually, I forgot a pedal one night at a gig that I had to play in Fells Point. And uh, I had to postpone the show to drive all the way back from Fells Point to Pikesville to get my pedal and go back home. And you would have had to do that. You would yeah. have had to drive all the way home and postpone your show. There is... um Or not play. <clears throat> like, it would have been drummerless stack like pancakes. I would have just done the floor tom thing that you taught me. Yeah, you could have done time. that. It would have been miserable, but... Well, yeah, because it broke mid-song, so yeah. you had to finish the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So did you notice yourself hitting the floor tom harder? Probably, yeah. yeah. I was just kind of getting through it. yeah. Um, I told you, but I haven't shared this publicly through a podcast medium, uh, but we played, I played with Reindeer last week and, uh, I used someone else's throne. And, and again, to Matt's point, like you're taking a risk when you're willing to, to use someone else's gear. Some people don't have, um, either the means or just the standard of quality for, for the gear that they choose to use. Um, and I noticed Kevin, you 
bounce a lot and sometimes stand up. And I do that too. Sometimes if I'm like kind of accenting something, I'll bounce out of my chair. And as I did that on this guy's throne, the whole throne just came all the way down. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I had a half a song <laughs> where my arms are like above my head trying to play. And it, I mean, granted, we learned to just roll with the punches and make the most of, of what it is. You could have stood up and played. You did that in, in the dialogue where you just stand up and play. But that song was only kicking the chorus and it wasn't a fast tempo. This was one of the faster songs we play. Sure. And it's a lot of yeah. kick. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it worked out, and then I had to take an extra minute uh, in between the, in between the next song to uh, kind of crank it back up and tighten it as much as I can. Then I'm getting all this black shit on my fingers. It was a mess, but uh, that is why I brought this throne today, and I'm glad because there wasn't one offered to us. For Matt, as a guy who's played thousands of shows or hundreds of shows. Do you have a do you have like a rack mount piece of gear or something that you have a drawer that you would keep all of your extras in, or do you have a trunk or something that you keep all your stuff in uh, for your shows? <clears throat> uh, in the U.S., I have yeah, I have a ton of cases. Um, actually, our sound guy Alex Marquides builds road cases, so he built a road case that works really well. When we go internationally. We order backline from different companies. So I always order, for example, like two snare drums, always order two sets of pedals, usually two thrones, two hi-hat stands, all the key breakables, like you need at least two. And I always order at least one extra cymbal boom stand as well. So uh, it's like, I think it's Jocko Willing's thing. Um, two is one, one is none, right? So always, always have more... Right. And you need because yeah, so you're, you're going to lose something or break something inevitably. To, to that point, today, um, Jordan's singer, Charlie, runs in-ears. And he realized that after, the I think, the last gig you guys played, he realized that he forgot to turn his in-ears off. And he needed a 9-volt. So he asked your bass player, Jason, he's like, yo, can I get your 9-volt, one of his pedals? And he's like, yeah, for sure. But, but then maybe towards the end of the set with three, four songs to go, it died. He, I saw him rip one ear out so he could hear and then he, which was great because he's, he doesn't really get on the mic, but then he kind of said something and then just stopped. And then he was telling you to play the ride cymbal, but from below it. And Jason hit a note and you yelled at Jason to stop. And it was like, <laughs> I remember it that. was a great part of the show. But he, luckily, I guess he had another battery, even though he had asked for one in the first place because like, he didn't have one. I don't know how he found, magically found one. That's but the if, worst. But if not, then his ears were going to be shot. And I still think he'd be fine because he's a, he's a good singer. He's fine with that. Um, I'm so paranoid about changing the batteries in my in-ears. You change so, every show? I, not every show, but like... Just about. Can you check the level? So you can see that like three three bars is full. Right. Two, one. Mm -hmm. The minute it gets to two, I change the battery. My bandmates are always like, oh, I, I play shows until it gets to one. And I play like, you know, even then I play five shows. It's like, dude, how but can you... But you need your ears. If not, the show doesn't go. Correct. If my ears so that's go very out, different from what they do, where they can just like touch each other's guitars. Yeah. So let's make this mm -hmm. let's make this the Kevin the drummer show. So for those who Kevin, don't bring know, a bring a trunk with you with all of your extras, because I can tell you the best thing that ever happened for me was when I got an like an eight space rack that I filled up with rack gear just because I thought it was cool. All the lights, mm -hmm. so stupid, but it was it was cool and it, in a so unnecessary, but it was cool. I had a two space drawer, and you can probably use. I saw I think. Kellen uses the, um, he's got that, that big stack. 
different story. But yeah. but yeah, but you could maybe get a drawer in there, which would be great. And you could have all your sticks, and you could have a band aid. Honestly, cut uh, like Kevin knows his shit. This was fucking hunt fest. Who gives a shit? So no, that was like my favorite thing. I'm just telling you, that was my favorite thing. Was having all these extras there. It was nice. So Kevin, the drummer. Uh, how old are you now? You're 20? Yes. Okay, so you're super young, and you're about to do, like, multiple weeks on the Warp Tour, and you just did a... What dates are you doing? Do you know the dates? It's July 16th through August 6th. Okay, and so you... you start with Maryland. So I start with Maryland, yeah. You guys did a full uh, run supporting Real Big Fish recently. Uh, you guys are not a ska band, but you have horns, correct? correct. Okay, correct. that makes sense. Um, and you're 20 years old. That's amazing. Uh, and we talked about you, I think, in episode one, and we said that you would be a perfect case study for a lot of the people paying attention to this podcast because we know a lot are drummers um, and dream of uh, doing it professionally uh, in a band. And you're doing that at a legitimate way or in a legitimate way right now at 20 years old. And that doesn't surprise any of us because you've, been putting in the work one, and you've been, uh, you've been really making all of the smart decisions uh, on and off the drum kit to put yourself in position like this. Earlier today, you're saying that how lucky you were to find Stack Like Pancakes, but for me, it's like if it wasn't them, you'd find someone else. So um, I met you a few years ago through Matt, but how did you meet Matt, and when was that? So we met ten years ago, about eight years ago. I don't remember. How old were you? Had you had your bar mitzvah? Yeah, I had my bar mitzvah, and I became no, a man. I don't think you had. No, no, yet. no, because I, I remember I invited you, and you didn't, you didn't come. No, 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 no. no that, that was, I'm saying, we met Probably. prior to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Um, we met when you were... 12, 11, 11 or 12, probably. Yep, so. at Josh Rubin's house. My I, drum teacher yeah. came to my bar mitzvah. So I, I, I remember this. I... Have a, I had a drum student named Josh Rubin, who is one of Kevin's friends and who lived down the street from you. Yeah. Um, and I went to give Josh a lesson, and Kevin was there. And Kevin expressed interest in drum lessons, too. So we started working together and then consistently did lessons for years, years and years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Like the last, I mean, it's been a while now, but what, a year ago, maybe a year and a half was the last time I was over your place for a lesson, not to mention you've come to clinics and stuff. But, like, yeah, it's been, I mean, we've known each other for a very, very long time. And I've watched Kevin grow up as a drummer um, and someone who's, I think, you've made some pretty good decisions personally Mm -hmm. at a lot of different points in your life, which is good. And you work hard, which is really cool. Thank you. But anyway, you should answer it. You answered Jordan's question. What was your question well, again? Well, it was like, uh, you tell the story of, like, of us meeting, because I don't know what it was like from your perspective at that point. Um, well, I remember that day, um, <clears throat> and I even remember then just, like, watching you with Josh and how you kind of engaged him. I was just, from the start, I'm like, there's something, like, really cool about this guy, and this was before you were in Periphery and all of that stuff, and I'm like, he knows what he's doing, and he's got it, and... When you start, you know, taking off and all of that success, like as a kid, that was like the coolest thing ever mm. for me, and like that's what got me like hooked. And same with listening to your band's album, the first one. I remember like being in middle school, like getting picked on and stuff, and like that was like my outlet for that. That's awesome. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. I didn't know that part, but that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's <clears throat> cool. Hopefully, um, I didn't 
become douchey as, as like my band did better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never felt that way. You've always been humble about stuff like that. That's cool. Um, so, and I know Kevin, you're always reaching out to other drummers, uh, whether to do like a Skype lesson or to meet them in person. And it just, I noticed you, uh, trying to learn and even network with as many different people as possible. Um, I know Matt had you come to me for a couple lessons and even one lesson we did was just you presenting, uh, on camera and we did a whole lesson about, yeah, yeah, about how you could teach a drum lesson and speaking to a camera. And what I always liked about you is that you're very teachable and you're very open and just willing to push out of your comfort zone. Um, and even you've helped me with at least like four different Beatwell gigs. So even if it's not something that you'd necessarily want to do in the future, I really respected that you wanted to just soak up uh, other drumming professionals and just ways to share uh, drumming in the world. Um, I remember the one time we went to Silver Spring with the, the 25 people with Down syndrome and you showed up to my house like 10 minutes early and I thought like, man, what a professional. Um, and I think I even told you like, keep that because those are the little things that end up becoming the big things if someone needs a, a drummer to, to play a tour, right? And they may think, well, that guy Kevin, he shows up early and that could be the difference between you and someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I've never asked you this. So we did a handful of drum lessons, but in most ways, uh, at least uh, technically and vocabulary, you're far better than I am at this point. So I'm curious, what did you think of the lessons that, that I gave you? They were good. I remember you showed me some like really, really cool Latin stuff. And then I worked I on did, it. Did, was that the first time you were introduced to that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think I was like that was when I was maybe kind of getting into it a little bit because you were still maybe like sixteen ish. Yeah, and just wanted to learn other styles and stuff like that. Okay, cool. Um, and I don't know, did we ever talk? I I think when because I've taught other drummers who can maybe play or express things maybe in a more impressive way than I am, but I also know my strengths. So when I work with drummers like that, a lot of the things I'll talk about. Um, more a performance aspect and, and how to, to really convey emotion, how to connect emotionally with an audience. I don't know if we talked about any of that stuff. Do you remember? And like with the cameras or? Not necessarily with the cameras, but I know I've definitely given a handful of lessons in the sense of when you're performing, make eye contact with people in the room because that's a surefire way to draw in their attention. Yeah, for sure. I remember you talking about, and I'm pretty sure... We were watching a lot of Food Network Star and talking about knowing your point of view, knowing your audience and how to talk to them, which is something we talked about on the last podcast. Um, and I think I remember, if, if it's memory serving me correctly, that you told me that you were helping Kevin figure out how he could do these YouTube videos and have a really good point of view, know his audience, how to present to them, and how to really engage with that with a specific group. So it's not just, oh, all drummers, hey, I'm Kevin the drummer, check out how you play a groove in four or something like that. It was like, no, 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 I'm going to show you how to do something specific so I can build a niche audience. And it's cool because even, I think we talked about you on the podcast, but we still hadn't have met in yeah. person, which we were fortunate we, we got to meet at uh, Matt's show, mm-hmm. at a periphery show recently. But even before that, I remember going and watching 
and seeing what you're doing. And it's very of your generation. Whereas I'm 10 years older than you and Jordan and Matt are 11 and 13, 14 years older than you are. And it's different for us because we didn't grow up with all this technology and, and how easy it would be to throw some stuff on YouTube and you know, get, gain a big following and all this stuff that could totally come together. <laughs> this is yeah. Matt is Have you seen the Eric Andre between. show? Of course. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. Good. What, this is that? Or you're well, saying... like the part where Eric's interviewing or Hannibal's just saying some weird stuff and then Eric's just writing just random doodles. Tonight, tonight's a little goofy, it's, but it's good. I'm just going with it. I'm waiting for like Matt to get up and dive through the table. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Bruce like, Pritchard. But just like throw up on the table and start eating it. I feel no, like... No, no, no. I but feel but like here's, here's the cool thing. What? You wait, no, 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 no. All right, I, I share, thought you were done. Matt has a feeling share, he wants to share express. Your thoughts. I'll, I'll rub you your done. back. Share your thoughts. Can you actually massage me? Yeah, like, for real? Right. Jordan, you get one side, I'll get the other. I'm share good. your thoughts. No, I don't need, I don't need that. What do you no, mean? no, were you finished? You mean, no, no, no. I, I wanted to say, let me stroke your beard. Look, no one can see this because something went wrong with the stream. so sad. Well, let's pretend like... This content sucks. <laughs> Let's pretend like people can just, dude. We're really sorry that you can't see the view right now. No, no. Okay, so should we um, should we just delete all this and start no. over? No, no. We got we got <laughs> on the laptop. We got on the laptop. The I podcast episode will be great. The podcast goes on. Okay. I know. I'm kidding. So you said it was. You said this. This is where. Sucks. This is where. There oh, should, it does. But it's lovely. At this the is same where time. there should there should be the pan like over behind Jordan, and there's a guy who's got hooks through his back hanging from suspension. You see What's that? What's going on with you? You're that was Eric Andre show. So wait, wait, wait. I want to say something about Kevin. So back to Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, could you imagine if you were our age and you were trying to do what you're currently doing, but without the internet, without going on YouTube, and however you can tell, talk about how you actually networked and put yourself out there, and how either you found the group you're currently playing with or how they found you. And you were able to do all that, I would imagine, was part of that from social media? Yeah. But, like, if, if I was born 10 years ago, I'd pr I mean, the thing that hasn't changed is going out and networking with people. And that's what I'd be doing. And if anything, that would make my, like, it feel, I'd be a lot happier doing that because I honestly enjoy doing that a lot more than the YouTube stuff and whatnot. Like, I, I barely mess with that anymore. I just put, like, the band vlogs and... Maybe I'll eventually record a cover at some point, but it's not really a priority right now. That's good because really it's about connecting with people. That's the yeah. whole game. And Justin and I, when we were in a band a while ago, our strategy was to show up to a venue. And before we'd even load out, we'd go socialize with whoever was there. And part of that was knowing that they may not even care about our music, but they may care about us. So mm -hmm. they'll pay attention. And that always seemed to work. I've, we know other bands that their strategy was to kind of put themselves on this pedestal where they would have other people set up their gear and they wouldn't be seen. So when they do uh, step onto the stage for the first time, it seems like they're a bigger deal. And that's a strategy that can be successful as well. But for us, it was about like connecting with the people because right. at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And it's them that are going to give us the opportunity to come back a second and third time. I think what you're missing, though, is that a lot of people nowadays will live, not, I don't want to say vicariously, but people will live almost to the internet where they will watch daily vlogs, video logs of people who walk around with a camera. They film, here's what I ate today, here's me working out, here's me hanging out with my friends. And you start to gain 
a sense of who that person is. And you start to really feel like, oh, I know these people. They're like my friends. I identify with these people, even if you've never met them before. Do you get that at all? Yeah. You watch, you probably watch some drummers. You ever watch drummers and it's like a day in the life of some dude that you like. And you're like, I feel more connected to this guy. And then if you were to actually meet the dude in person, you may have these inside jokes or things right. that you could say. Yeah. And I think that's the difference of now that you can almost create, or even I would say create that same intimacy of being one-on-one with someone or being in a group setting with someone through watching them through the internet and then going, and I know you'll probably say, no, it's not, but, but Dude, I, what do you think we're doing right now? I think that, but, but I mean, but you're like going, <laughs> Kevin hit himself on the microphone. It's his first time guys. In the, first in the, time. Nu- in the nose, in the nude, in the nude. <laughs> Anyway. So, Kevin, you and I went to Panera Bread, (laughs) the wondrous Panera Bread in Owings Mills, right before you started college. You go to Towson University. That's where the three of us went as well. And you knew you were going to be a music major, right? Um, I think at that time I was both business and music major, and then eventually I realized I could really only major in one and minor in the other. Oh, Okay, okay, so you're still, so business is your major? Yes. Okay, and, and drumming or just music in general is your it's, minor? I, I guess it's technically called jazz commercial performance for the drum set. Okay, so, interesting. Minor. Okay, so I remember one of the things that I shared with you was to make the most of your time there and kind of know why you're there. Um to really have a vision. And at that point, you knew you wanted to play drums. Mm-hmm. And so I know at, at the lunch, I was doing my best to help kind of give you a framework for at least what worked for me in grad school. Um, it seems like that panned out pretty well for you. Yeah. Would you agree? Well. Yeah. So what what was that strategy for yourself when you started at college? Um, I guess it was just same thing. I did what I did in high school, just talk to and meet as many people as I can, whether it's music related since I was in college and I wanted to try to have as much fun as I can, which is tough. Um, yeah, just trying to meet as many people as I could. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like it has <clears throat> been easier socially uh, because you're part of a music community there? Um, I think it's kind of the, the opposite. Um, just kind of going through school um, and Kind of what you were saying in um, one of the po- podcasts, like going through like adversity. Pronouns, and pronouns pal. Pronouns. Yeah, Matt. Oh. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Explain what I was going through. It, yeah. What I was saying. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get better this next time. Um, yeah, just going through like different challenges and stuff, and with going to school and a lot of what I was doing was revolving around uh, like a church gig. I met. Cecilia Grace, who's a singer-songwriter, like the first or second day, just at an open mic, and we connected really well. And just going to concerts every weekend. A lot of times, since I didn't have my car on campus, I had my parents, um, you know, come pick me up. And almost every weekend, I was doing music-related things. And during the school week, since I really didn't have time to do schoolwork during the weekends, I'd just spend all my time kind of isolated in the library, and then once I was done my schoolwork, I'd go play drums, and there wasn't really a lot of time for me to really meet people, mm-hmm. a lot of people, and like make really close friends. No, I'm just listening. I mean, 
um, I remember around that time too, and it it was both of us. Like you were reaching out to me often to like let's catch up, let's figure out when we can talk. We were talking to Jordan a bunch. Um, this this reminds me. I mean, you've gone through different phases. When you were younger, I remember you had a hard time balancing even your like homework in school with wanting to practice drums. Right? There was things yeah. like that. There was. <clears throat> There was, I mean, you had anxiety about a lot of stuff at a younger age, right? Mm-hmm. But what was, what's the difference now with with that kind of thing? Like, are there, I know that it's a challenge for you to balance school and the band. Because you're in college. Like, you're, you're going yeah. to university in, on regular semesters. And you're also trying to tour professionally. So you're having to almost negotiate with your professors about, can I go on tour and do the work from, you know, away? Can I, you know, when can I take the test? Can I do this? Right. Can I do that? Are you stressed, or do you feel like some of the things that you encountered at a younger age better prepared you for being able to deal with that kind of need for balance? Um, probably, yeah. The all the stuff I went through at a younger age um, probably helped just kind of as I kind of grew more and I guess matured. And but what was that? I mean, when you were younger, what kind of stuff would you get stressed out about? I don't even know. It's uh, like. You probably know more than I do. I don't even remember. Probably stuff that didn't really matter now. Well, no, I think it did matter. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember there were times when you were having a hard time deciding on where to spend your time. You weren't excited about doing homework in school. You wanted to be playing drums, but you were also concerned about the social aspects of, of school, right? Because we, when we met, you were in middle school, going yeah. into high school. High school was a big deal. It's like, I'm going into high school. And then it was, I'm going into college. Mm-hmm. And at these different pivotal points you went through these feelings of anxiety and nervousness about the change that was occurring, right? Right. Because you, I think, in the past felt different because you didn't have the same interests as a lot of your other friends, which we all can relate to as musicians. Um, Most of my friends aren't musicians, and they were really into sports, and they were really focused on their homework in school, and I was the opposite. But you were the same way. And um, I remember there there was one point when... I suggested, I think, that you started journaling or like writing yeah. down your what you're afraid of or what's going on and then realize whether or not it's actually something worth being upset about or not. Mm-hmm. Like do you do you still do that kind of stuff? Um I did all throughout high school and then once I finished school, I it kind of just got repetitive and boring to me. Um because the majority of I would just write down like what was going on through the day and then most of it ended up just being just grinding on this, grinding on this, and it's just like then Maybe I did something fun on the weekend. Just like, did something fun on the weekend. And it's just like, eh, kind of got tired of doing that. Are you at a point now, though, with touring with the band? So, okay, where are you in school? You're a junior? I'll be a senior. You'll be a senior. That's so crazy. All right, so you'll be a senior, but you're also getting tour offers that are taking place during the school year. Yes. So where are you at with that? What are you going to do? I know a lot of people, by the way, that, that have listened to this who are in similar situations or have similar passions where they're in school and they're f- they're they can't decide whether or not they want to do like music and art or if they want to stay in school and some are some are choosing school and some aren't mm-hmm. what are you doing you're doing both how are you how are you managing it um so i guess with the real big fish tour i i for me finishing school is a priority for me no matter what and my whole idea is i'm going to get it done when i can get it done so I'm I'm not in any hurry anymore because I kind of was at some point like oh I need to graduate in four or five years but now with the band it that that comes first for me now and 
it really just depends on how long we're, we're out on the road for. If, it's, if we're out on the road this fall for two weeks, I'll still stay full-time because I, I had that experience mm-hmm. um, this semester. And surprisingly, I made the dean's list. I got two A's, two B's. Yeah, that's great. Um, I remember a couple of cool things, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Jordan and I both, uh, did you go to Towson as well? Mm-hmm. So all four of us went to the same college. And I was in the business school when Jordan and I were in a band that was doing pretty okay. We, mm-hmm. we played, we came off of playing Tiger Fest. We were releasing a new album. We were getting a couple cool showcases in New York. And I would go to my business professors and tell them, this is my business, and this is what I'm about to do. And they were like, oh, well, it's your business, and this is practical usage of what you want to go do and why you're here. Go do it. Yeah. And they were all about it. And mm-hmm. that, I thought, was great that they were like, they weren't trying to stifle my progress of saying, right. well, no, we're going to flag you for not showing up to class. Mm-hmm. And this is that, which, was, which I thought was awesome because I don't think I would have expected that to be what they said. Um, which was awesome. But then the, another cool thing that I'm actually thinking about now was that, speaking of Tiger Fest, which is the, the big music festival at Towson yeah. University, the next year I was asked to be a judge, of which you weren't in the band at the time, but Stacked Like Pancakes, your band, played. And I remember out of all the bands, it was the only band that was pretty interesting. And I somehow persuaded the other judges that we all gave Stacked Like Pancakes a perfect score. And so they got to go play, I think, Kid, Kid Cudi, maybe? Do you have any idea about this? No I don't even think you were, you were probably still in high school. Yeah. Crazy to think about. But, yeah, that mm-hmm. was, um, it was nice. And, and I think that is the thing of, of I've always thought about this because I took a break when we had a big summer tour coming up, and we had dates, and I was like, well, this is actually real and viable. And I knew school is a constant. I can always go back to school, but I'm not going to always be, and I was probably 23. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not always going to be this age and – I want to take the opportunity while I can. Oh, and yeah, obviously, I think that's what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm sure you would say, oh, I'm going to put school in the back burner if we've got good opportunities to go do something rather than go to school. And you can, you know, you've got two semesters left. You finish it when you, when you want to. Right. Which is great. How did, um, for a lot of people that are trying to figure out, how do I get in a band? Like, what do I do pre-joining a band to get ready for that? What was the stuff that you went through, and then how did you find the bands you're currently with that you're about to go do the Warp Tour with all summer? So how did I find, like, Stactor? How did you start the preparation, aside from just taking lessons? What made you feel like, okay, I'm ready to join some bands and do some stuff and get out of the house and play on stage? And then how did you find the current group you're playing with? Okay, um, it's actually a cool story with um, what you, what Matt explained, which is every gig that you do matters. So... It's kind of the typical, you find people from your high school that play instruments. I had a friend at the time that I met at School of Rock, and we both shared the same interest in progressive metal, which, like, I don't think any middle schooler was probably into that music. Um, So we kind of were very close, and we started kind of like a prog metal band in high school. And eventually just things didn't work out with that group, but... What I realized was the first one of the first gigs that we did, a friend of mine who was a year older than me, uh, who was at Towson, was friends with another drum major, and I was introduced to that drum major, Asher, and then me and Asher hit it off really well, and then Asher invited me to go see, since I was already applying to be 
be in the music school, um, he invited me to go see Daryl Stack Like Pancake's previous drummer at the time, his recital. And as soon as I saw Daryl, he was one of the best drummers I've ever seen. I'm like, I need to be this guy's friend um, and like learn from him and like, you know, have me like help me out with stuff. Um, and from there, we hit it off really well. And that fall going in, since Daryl was doing a lot of different gigs as well, he asked me to fill in for them. And, you know, with my mindset, taking every gig seriously and whatnot, I came prepared and did what I could. And they, they liked me, which is awesome. So I was always their kind of go-to B-drummer. Um, and then eventually things kind of worked out with them once their things didn't work out with their drummer, and then I joined. But even prior to that, I met people at my school that eventually they needed a drummer. So I, I always pretty much just took every opportunity I could and always said yes to a lot of things. And I, what I think is cool about you is that the fact you saw Daryl, you thought you could learn from him, you went up and introduced yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and you asked. You know, and, and that's one of the things. You're very proactive. And if you want to make something happen for yourself in the world, especially something in the creative field where uh, – it really takes you advocating for yourself. Um, I mean, I know what it's like to uh, to see other friends who are trying to, even if it's just not music, but creating any sort of uh, thing for themselves, whether it's a business or a creative endeavor. And if they don't have that that confidence in themselves and the ability to to really step out and and kind of be vulnerable in the sense of like saying here I am to the world um, it's very unlikely that the world is just gonna find you right um, you know so I like you've always put yourself in positions again saying yes to most things that's good uh, when you're starting out yeah now eventually sure. you're gonna find that uh, you're gonna have to start saying no to some yeah. stuff and then eventually start saying no to most things but that's good because you've Create it value and you've communicated your value with the world where all these opportunities are going to start coming to you. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, saying yes to everything and making the most of every gig, whether five people are there or um, whether it's, you know, a, a band that you may not want to, you know, pursue full time or right. whatever, but you never know who's going to be there. Exactly. When Jordan and I played in bands, I remember no matter how many people were at the show, where the show was, what the show was, the venue, none of the variables matter. We always threw down and yeah. try to be, you know, consummate professionals or, or as professional as we could be and play as well as we could. But for me, I wasn't always big on learning other people's material growing up. And I found that, that I did a disservice to myself in some parts uh, where then I would get asked to be an alternate and fill in for someone. And it would be harder for me to, especially if it was a complicated baseline, it would be a little bit harder for me to actually pick out like, oh, that chord is this versus something that would be similar to it. Right. Um, or sound similar to it. And it was then harder for me to be overly prepared for some of these gigs, which felt foreign for me, which was, uh, which was really tough. And, um, and so it was harder for me to try to go into these gigs and make the most of it, even though I would try, like you're saying, to make the most of it and be as prepared as possible, everything that I could do. But even though I was trying to be as prepared as possible and play the show and do as much as I could, I struggled because I don't, I don't think I 
I put enough time in the simulator of playing other people's music and learning other people's bass lines that then it just made it harder for me to pick that stuff up. Whereas now it's much easier. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's, that's so many years removed from when it would have mattered. Mm-hmm. And I think I only did it with maybe three or four different people where I went and played some gigs with other people where I always just found comfort in saying to the guitar player, the lead singer, guitar player, whatever it was like, Hey, can we just sit down and jam, jam these songs together? And I'll, put my own you know touch on the stuff yeah but i think that's awesome that you realized that every time you had an opportunity you're gonna grab it by the throat and choke it for everything it's worth yeah and that's what you got to do i mean like jordan talks about when he gets to play shows now and i think he's probably even more grateful that he was many years removed from playing in a band and i think for a lot of people especially the people that we grew up with when, when we were 18 and 17 playing shows a lot of people by the time they were 22 23 24 music kind of ended for them and they hung up their gear aka they sold their gear because it really wasn't that important to them there was this idea of well i'm trying to reach this pinnacle of success if i don't get there it's not valid and they just sell all their stuff and then they get a job and they become a different person yeah and music kind of just stops for them and I think it's really cool to see Jordan now come full circle and he's back in the mix. He's playing, he's, he's gigging again, which is really cool. Even if he's doing it on a local circuit, he gets to go to Philly here and there and play some stuff. But I mean, even reindeer, they just did a tour. He could, he, he was able at this point to his, they want his it credit. Me to go. Yeah. He could say, mm-hmm. no, I have too much other stuff on my plate. But if he was super hungry in your position, he could have said, yeah, I want the touring experience. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And that would have been awesome. But and it's nice that he has that option. But it's also, I think it's, it's, it's a testament that you were able to stay the course, which is great. And you're now able to make the most of your situation, as Kevin did with every situation when he started, which I think is how we were growing up. Mm-hmm. You got to go for it. Yeah. Which is awesome. What Matt, do you think, Matt? Yeah, Matt, were, what were you like when, when you'd fill in for other people? Because you still come home, and you're hungry, and you'll go and play some cool cover gigs with your friends. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to do that kind of stuff because it's just all about playing. I appreciate what I do now absolutely with Periphery, too. You know, it's, it's exactly what I want to be doing and what I've wanted to be doing my whole life, which is playing shows in front of an audience and playing music that I enjoy. And... I think it's all about the performance. It's all about the chance to just let everything out. That's what it's. It, that's what it is for me. And w- if we go back to um, the beginning of this podcast, when I was asking you about how do you pronouns, think pronouns, pal? Well, when I, yeah, that's Jordan. why we're not filming anymore. When I was asking Jordan about um, you know today being a really good day because it was so busy and you had a good show after a week of stress. I was asking because of that exact reason, because a show is a great way to let everything out. And I would think that it's a way to celebrate at least a hectic week and giving yourself that outlet for it. That's what it is for me a lot of times. So that's what I was trying to get at. That's the word that came to mind, but you filled in for me. I mean, for me, when I perform, it's a celebration of life. It's one of the uh, times where I'm most present and, and I really, and, and to Justin's point, uh, he said, I'm probably grateful. And, and for a long time, 
uh, playing shows even many years ago, um, it was always this thing of gratitude because to me, it feels so natural, it feels so good, and it feels like such a privilege to be behind a drum kit performing music that I like for people that are engaged. And to me, it's like the greatest feeling in the world. And I do my best to really look around and take in everyone in the audience and take in the sound people that are helping us to produce the performance. And even just taking in the venue and really feeling my aliveness in that moment because in those moments, like everything just feels good. To your credit, I think, and I had this conversation today with Ryan, this, it was really nice to think about that back in the day when myself and a lot of other people included almost felt like the glam rock days of the 80s, we spent so much time straightening our hair and getting dressed and doing certain things, not warming up, not hitting a practice pad or playing our instrument, all these things. We cared so much about our, and me, I cared so much about this aesthetic and looking a certain way and the stage being a certain way, that a lot of things fell to the wayside, that I lost sight of why we were actually doing this. And it took me till I was, I want to say 24 or 25, probably somewhere seven, eight, nine years into gigging, where Jordan said something to the, to the tune of, remember that you spend all this time preparing to go play for 30 minutes, 30 minutes. And if you're not present, you're going to blink and it's all over. And then you're right back in the practice space or you're, you're mm -hmm. back making a record or you're doing something that feels monotonous and arduous and you've done this a million times. You're like, oh, why are we doing this again? And then you get to go let it all out for 30 minutes. But if, you, if you're not actually here and you're thinking about all these other things, then what are you really doing? You're, you're missing the point of why we do this. Yeah. And, and I remember the coolest thing was being on stage and doing... I think some kind of bridge that had a snare drum that, that rolled and really for a lot of measures, it just kept building until it just broke the tension um, into a very nice driving finishing chorus. And I remember in that moment thinking as present as I actually was, as I'm softly playing my bass and building it up dynamically, I'm like, man, that was, I have no idea what that was my whole entire music career flashed before my eyes. All the things that I thought mattered, none of those things yeah. really mattered. And what mattered was that I was there with three of my favorite people, especially my brother, who's my best friend, and we're freaking making music. And that's when I started to bring things into perspective and realize, you know what? All these years of playing shows, it's the coolest experiences. And success, this is it right here. I get to actually go share this stuff. And that was super cool. And I, and I think one day I will free up some time and find a little project and go play something different than I've done before. I hope you do. You should. Yeah. Um, so I think gratitude is a good place to end this episode um, of the Kevin the Drummer podcast. Um, Kevin, why don't you let people know where they can follow you online? Um, so you can follow me on Facebook at Kevin Gorin. Instagram, Kevin Gorin. It's my last name is G O R E N. And same thing with Twitter, Kevin Gorin, and then YouTube, Kevin Gorin. And your band is Stack Like Pancakes. You guys are going to be on the Warp Tour starting in Columbia, Maryland, and to the end of the tour. Yep. MySpace.com slash Stack Like Pancakes. <laughs> uh, what's the name of your record? Um, the one that we're 
He's thinking about it. He doesn't I, w- I, w- I, wasn't, I wasn't on their record. It's uh, This Is Us. This Is Us. And they've been putting out uh, music videos, it seems, every few months. So stack like pancakes. Uh, they're not ska, but they have horns. Brass keep, rack. Keep up the stuff with, um, I like the drum cam. Yeah. Keep that stuff up. Yeah. Go on YouTube and search Kevin Gorin. G-O-R-E-N. Kevin the drummer. Again, we think he's a really good case study. Kevin, this is, a, he's a really good case study of what to do if you want to be uh, a successful musician. He's doing all the right things, and we've all enjoyed watching you um, make smart moves and take risks and seeing it pay off for you. And you're literally living your dream. Anything you want to express gratitude for since we finished on gratitude? Um, what are you thankful for? Thankful for you guys for hey. letting me on this show. Podcast. It's awesome. Thanks for coming over in the middle of it. Yeah, I mean, you guys are like 10 minutes away, so. 10 minutes away for episode 10. All right, guys, (laughs) um, we hope you have a great week. Uh, Whatever makes you happy, do that. Um, iTunes, we appreciate all of you who have been rating our podcast and leaving a review. Uh, It's one of the things that helps us most um, as far as gaining more attention and attracting attention to what we're doing here. So if you found it of value, uh, we'd really appreciate if you get onto iTunes and leave a review and rate it as well. Um, It really makes a big difference, and we'd be grateful for that. Um, So again, until next time, Kevin the Drummer, take us out. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye.